I'm Adam Pelcher, and you're listening to Off the Shelf, Windsor Public Library's weekly broadcast discussing books, culture, and what's happening in the world of public libraries. On today's episode, we talk about some unique libraries across the world and discuss how librarians can help you maintain privacy in the digital world. In the 21st century, it's understood that libraries are not simply depositories for books, but are also community hubs, offering access to information, technology, and entertainment in line with the social media era. However, no matter how far libraries have progressed, the brick and mortar of our facilities remain books. While public libraries across North America hold popular and enduring titles, these facilities will also carry books that are more rare or harder to find. Perhaps no public library knows this better than the Richard Brattigan Library in Vancouver, Washington. Located in the basement of the Clark County Historical Museum, it contains 311 volumes of unpublished works, ranging from personal memoirs to frontier adventures. So how did this collection amass so many unreleased titles? The library collection actually owns its existence to the poet and novelist which the library was named after, Richard Brattigan. Perhaps best known for his 1967 novella, Trout Fishing in America, the idea for this library actually germinated from Brattigan's 1971 novel, The Abortion. In this book, a librarian of a very unusual California library accepts books in any form and from anyone who wishes to donate one to the library. Inspired by the absurd collection featured in the novel, Vermont native Todd Lockwood decided to create a real-life version of this library. Beginning nearly 27 years ago, Lockwood took to fielding submissions from across the world, from Ottawa to Saudi Arabia. However, Lockwood had to stop this ambitious project in 1995 when he ran out of money. The project was orphaned until 2010, when Richard Brattigan scholar John Barber arranged to have the library transported to a new facility in Vancouver. Since its move, the collection has been held in the basement of the Historical Museum, wherein all the volumes have been identically bound and cataloged. Otherwise, the manuscripts remain the way that they were received, complete with grammatical errors and spelling mistakes. The library even has its own unique classification system, the mayonnaise system, named after the recurring object found in Trout Fishing in America, a jar of mayo. Its 14 categories include adventure, all the rest, digital, family, future, humor, love, meaning of life, natural world, poetry, social-slash-political-slash-cultural, spirituality, street life, and war and peace. All of the volumes in this collection are one of a kind. As Barber explains, the Brattigan Library is not about being published, or even about literature. It's about people telling their stories in a democratic way. If you are interested in learning what is available in this collection, simply check out the library's website, at www.thebrattiganlibrary.org to read descriptions of its volumes and to view submission guidelines if you would like to be one of the lucky writers to have your work preserved 
in this unique library. If you are an aspiring writer and you would like to see a printed and bound copy of your own work, then you are in luck. The Windsor Public Library's self-publishing lab allows authors the chance to produce professional quality-bound copies of their own writing. If you are interested in learning more about our self-publishing lab, contact Sue at 519-255-6770, extension 4603, or at express at windsorpubliclibrary.com, that is com. Who knows, you may even be able to submit your bound book to the Bradigan Library. The Bradigan Library is not the only atypical library that exists in the world. There are dozens of libraries across the world which are renowned for their unusual nature or unique collections. One of my personal favorite unique libraries is the Biblio Burroughs. Luis Sauriano is a rather famous figure in northern Colombia. He is renowned for his pair of riding donkeys, Alpha and Beta, who are loaded with books that are brought to impoverished children across the countryside. Sariano's Biblio Burroughs have been delivering books for over 20 years, in spite of an incredible danger coming from a violent drug war that has afflicted the area for decades. Sariano's dedication doesn't simply end at having his burrows delivering books to poor communities. He has recently built a foundation to construct a permanent library in his hometown of La Gloria. On completion, the library will house more than 5,000 books. If delivery donkeys aren't your fancy, then how about visiting the public library in Nice, France, which is located inside an enormous statue of a head inside of a box. Created by the artist Sasha Sosno, this uniquely designed library measures 28 meters in height and contains seven floors. Other unique libraries across the world include the Biblioteca Sandro Pinai in Paraguay, which is shaped like a giant flying saucer, and the Ipos Book Boat, a literal library on a boat that travels across the fjords to deliver books to hundreds of small communities. While a private investor like John Barber can keep the Bradigan Library operating, the past few decades have witnessed an ever-growing decrease in the budgets of public libraries across the Western world. In 2011, four branches of the Detroit public library system were forced to close down, while the UK is facing a veritable epidemic of public library closures. It's been projected that unless something happens to reduce the ever-increasing budgetary cuts to libraries in the UK, that that country will face 340 closures of public libraries within the next five years. As disheartening as it is to hear about these closures, there has also been an outpouring of generosity by community members who want to keep their libraries open. An example of community members who see this value in public libraries can be witnessed in the Calgary Public Library System. Deirdre and Ian Harris have been patrons of that system for years and have recently decided to give back to it in the form of a donation, and a rather generous donation at that. In July, the couple donated $1 million to their library system. Originally planned to bequeath this donation in their will, Deirdre and Ian Harris felt that it was more suitable to donate the $1 million at this time in which they feel libraries are becoming under siege. Ian Harris stated, In this age of the internet, 
which we know contains a lot of good things, but also a lot of garbage, half-truths, and a distressing amount of poison and hatred, libraries are more relevant than ever. We need libraries as a bastion of truth, a place for reasoned debate. In these modern times, the truth is under siege. The library is the citadel of truth, facts, and knowledge that actually mean something. Ian earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in English at the University of Calgary before working as a writer, broadcaster, and film producer. Deirdre Harris, who actively volunteers for the Public Library Board, says that when you've been as blessed as us, you have an obligation to give back. And what better way than to the library, a place that is for everyone, regardless of their socioeconomic status. The Harris's gift will be used in part in developing Calgary's new central library. Opening in the autumn of 2018, this location will feature a shared history center, a media lab, and unique programming from the Calgary Public Library. CPL president and CEO Paul McIntyre Royston says that Deirdre and Ian's gift will have a profound impact on the lives of the next generation of Calgarians and will help preserve the voices of today for tomorrow. Of course, you don't need to be a millionaire to make a significant impact to your library system. By simply signing up for a library card and using your local branch, it shows that libraries are wanted and needed in our communities. Stats of library memberships and use are presented at city council meetings and help decide the direction the council will take in planning for the future of public libraries. Of course, if you would like to make a donation to the Windsor Public Library, you're more than welcome to do that. Simply visit our website at windsorpubliclibrary.com for information on how to do so. As libraries shift the concepts of what services they offer and what materials they collect, so too are the concepts of the library as a physical space in shift. A major change over the past decade is the growing access to online services that libraries provide. Now patrons can access books, movies, articles, and records without attending the library's physical buildings. This isn't the only way the idea of a library space has been reimagined. One of the most recent examples of this has taken place in New York. The Subway Library is a new collaborative initiative between the New York Public Library, the Brooklyn Public Library, Queens Library, MTA, and Transit Wireless. This new service provides subway riders in New York access to hundreds of free ebooks while in transit. While on the subway, commuters could access the transit Wi-Fi service and access these books from the website www.subwaylibrary.com. This inventive new service rethinks how and where people can access library services and may change the way commuters occupy themselves while in transit. The next time you're in New York and you have to take the subway, visit subwaylibrary.com and see what they offer. Speaking of new services, the Windsor Public Library has recently launched a new subscription service that can help you maximize your reading experience and discover new books to read. Library Aware is a free subscription service which generates personalized reading lists and newsletters to help you select your next great read. Library users have the option to select from 15 newsletters, each focused on a particular genre or topic. These include history, 
mystery, romance, science and nature, teen books, kids books, biographies, and more. You can sign up for as many or few as you like and keep up to date with the latest and most exciting new releases. For more information on Library Aware or to sign up for the service, visit our website at www.windsorpubliclibrary.com. With the ever-growing presence people find themselves having online, there is also a growing concern over issues of privacy. The idea of your phone keeping tabs on your location and social media compiling records of your browsing habits is an intimidating prospect. This infringement of privacy makes many people feel exploited, transparent targets for online marketing and data mining. Then there are those who have reason to feel concern over their privacy, people who belong to maligned or heavily profiled groups who feel targeted by data-collecting organizations. Far from paranoia, such famous cases as Edward Snowden's leaking of NSA global surveillance documents proves that people across the world have been signaled out and information collected. So, how can we retain any degree of privacy while still engaging with the online world? This concern has prompted the formation of a number of digital privacy clinics to form across North America. These events, which are often referred to as crypto parties, teach people how to consume content online while maximizing privacy and security. These clinics teach users a number of tricks for maintaining online privacy. These range from instructions on how to lock down a smartphone to reducing online tracking by marketers. While these workshops are offered across the world, some people may be hard-pressed to find such an event in their local community. For people who can't find a crypto party in their local area, they can still learn about digital security at their public library. Asking a reference librarian will provide a number of recommendations, books, and articles on how to preserve your online privacy. Some libraries go above and beyond this, offering specific resources to help people with their online privacy concerns. Alison Macrina, the current head of the Library Freedom Project, co-wrote a self-published guide to online privacy called We Are All Suspects. Her book provides a list of suggested links, amendment rights articulating people's rights to freedom, and tips on how to reduce the amount of personal information being collected online. Macrina says she began teaching privacy after she began hearing interest from patrons who were interested with the revelations of the Snowden leaks. She says, There was another massive spike right after the 2016 election in a flood of requests after the FCC broadband privacy repeal. Macrina currently tours on behalf of the Library Freedom Project, holding online privacy workshops across the country. You don't have to attend one of these workshops to benefit from the work of dedicated librarians like Macrina, though. The Library Freedom Project offers links to online privacy tools and outlines on digital privacy courses. This information can be accessed from their website, www.librayfreedomproject.org. Are you concerned about your online presence? Are you wanting advice on how to retain privacy and security in the digital age? Ask your local librarian for information and resources on how to increase your level of online privacy. 
Also, keep your eyes open for an upcoming digital privacy workshop to take place at the Budimir Library. For more information, visit our website at www.windsorpubliclibrary.com or give us a call at 519-255-6770. On July 27th, the long list was announced for this year's Man Booker Prize. This is one of literature's most prestigious awards. Although winning the Booker Prize generally assures international success, it is also an incredible distinction to be included, even in the long list of this award. Last week, we mentioned that Colson Whitehead's The Underground Railroad was nominated for this prize. The remaining 12 titles display an impressive collection for this year's long list. It includes such notable works as literary legend Paul Auster's 4321, Zadie Smith's Swing Time, Ali Smith's Autumn, Lincoln in the Bardo by George Saunders, and former Man Booker Prize winner Arunhati Roy for her first novel in 20 years, The Ministry of Utmost Happiness. Other notable authors for the Booker Prize include Ireland's Mike McCormick, whose listed book, Solar Bones, won the Goldsmiths Prize and the BGE Irish Book Awards Book of the Year. Also included is the former Booker Prize shortlist nominee, Sebastian Barry, for Days Without End. For the full long list, visit themanbookerprize.com. All of the aforementioned titles are available to borrow from the Windsor Public Library. Also, make sure to check out previous Man Booker Prize winners from the library, including the 2016 prize winner, The Sellout, by Paul Beattie. Remember, the shortlist will be announced on September 13th, and the winner will be declared on October 17th. For decades, Michiko Kakutani acted as one of America's most intrepid and most feared literary critics. As chief book critic at the New York Times, Kakutani had a vast influence over the literary world. Her reviews could lead to a surge of interest in a book, generating a remarkable spike in readership and critical assessment over a work. Likewise, her reviews, which on more than one occasion have been described as merciless, could also severely diminish the impact of a book. Nicholson Baker stated that reading a Kakutani review of his work was like having my liver taken out without anesthesia. However, as unforgiving as Kakutani could be in her articles, a glowing review from the critic could also put an author onto the track for incredible success. A review of Toni Morrison's Beloved, in which Kakutani described the book as dazzling, helped spark widespread interest in Morrison's book, which culminated in her winning the 1988 Pulitzer Prize for the novel. Similar praise for the likes of Don DeLillo's Underworlds, George Saunders' Civil War Land in Bad Decline, and Zadie Smith's White Teeth, also predicted the incredible success these works and their respective authors would receive. The importance of Kakutani's literary journalism was not only recognized by authors and readers. In 1998, Kakutani was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for Criticism. On July 27th, it was announced that Kakutani would be retiring from her role at the New York Times. This announcement came as quite the shock to the literary community. It is hard to conceive of an edition of the New York Times Review of Books without one of this veteran's lauded reviews. 
the executive editor of the New York Times stated, It is hard to imagine the story of the modern New York Times without a hefty chapter bearing her name. In a tweet made by Kakutani, she said that, although she is leaving criticism, the journalist will not abandon writing, she will move on to focus on longer pieces about politics and culture. We would like to wish Kakutani the best of luck in all of her future endeavors. Copies of the New York Times book review can be borrowed from the central location of the Windsor Public Library. On Thursday, July 27th, the Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright and actor Sam Shepard passed away. He died at the age of 73 in his Kentucky home, from complications arising from ALS. Shepard was revered as one of the most important and influential writers of the off-Broadway movement. His plays, which depicted the dark frustrations of the contemporary world, often depicted disillusionment with the American dream, economic oppression, and the breakdown of traditional family values. New York Magazine referred to him as the greatest American playwright of his generation. Shepard's work was continually praised by critics, and he would win six Obie Awards between 1966 and 1968. His 1969 play, The Unseen Hand, would actually act as the basis for Richard O'Brien's stage musical, The Rocky Horror Show. During this time, Shepard also began writing film screenplays and performing in the psychedelic folk band The Holy Modal Rounders. This connection to rock music would continue throughout Shepard's career. His 1971 play, Cowboy Mouth, was a collaboration with his then-lover, the punk icon Patti Smith. Shepard would also accompany the Pulitzer Prize-winning songwriter Bob Dylan on his 1975 Rolling Thunder review tour, and would later collaborate with the musician in 1986, co-writing the song Brownsville Girl. Shepard was the recipient of a number of awards and nominations during his life. He won a Pulitzer Prize in 1979 for his play Buried Child, and would be nominated for the Pulitzer two more times in his life, in 1983 for True West, and in 1984 with the play Fool for Love. Shepard was also the recipient of the Penn Award as a Master American Dramatist in 2009. Beyond recognition as a writer, Shepard was also a celebrated actor. His acting career began in 1978, portraying a land baron in Terrence Malick's Days of Heaven. He continued to act in theater and film for the rest of his life, having roles in Resurrection, Steel Magnolias, and Black Hawk Down. Sam Shepard's works, including The One Inside, The Great Dream in Heaven, and his Pulitzer Prize-winning play, Buried Child, can be borrowed from the Windsor Public Library. You have been listening to Off the Shelf, Windsor Public Library's weekly program discussing books, culture, and what's happening in the world of public libraries. If you have any comments or questions about today's episode, please forward those to offtheshelf at windsorpubliclibrary.com. You can also visit www.windsorpubliclibrary.com for more information about our collections, programs, and services.